coaches poll. So there's a little bit of a difference. 7:30 kick at uh, Memorial Stadium. Fox Sports One is uh, providing the telecast. So if you're a Comcast user, that's I believe 7:23. Um, Justin Kutcher, uh, Pop Petras Papadakis, and Demarco Murray are on the call on the TV side, and then obviously. Um, Radio-wise, you've, you've got the IMG crew of the usual group, Jerry Allen play-by-play, Mike Jorgensen uh, side, providing analysts and inside line reporting, Joey McMurray and Terry Johns hosting the pregame show. Uh, Oregon and, and Cal, the Ducks have kind of dominated this one the last few rounds. Um, Ducks have what, won seven of the last eight games between these two teams. And obviously last year's game, uh, was was the one in which Justin Herbert got hurt in and was one that Oregon won pretty significantly and easily even with without Justin Herbert. Um, and then the year before that is when Oregon went on the road, triple overtime game, and Justin Herbert talked about that, and we will hear from Justin Herbert this you know from this week's interview sessions talking about that performance. Um, and, and then the six previous games before that, Oregon has won. Um all in all, Eric, though, I think this is a game that we've talked about it all week on the site that Oregon is, you know, California is not the team that typical Oregon fans are going to instantly think of. That doesn't mean that Oregon's not going to blow them out, but I think this is going to be a tougher team than many people expect. Yeah, I think the thing that's interesting looking at Cal is that their identity, obviously, for the last several years before Wilcox got there, was that they were going to like spread you out, throw the ball 50 times a game, and beat you that way. This That's not at all how this year's team operates, and really not how last year's team was built to operate either. Their, their, their bread and butter is their defense, and that's kind of what you'd expect when you have a head coach and Justin Wilcox, who obviously his background is on the defensive side of the ball, was a very successful coordinator for years, obviously a former Oregon player in his own right. But this is a team that is one of the better teams in the conference and one of the better teams nationally. Um, on defense, and I think you've seen them have a ton of success so far this year against some pretty decent competition. You know, Oregon in the non-conference faced three teams um, that were that were very beatable. Cal challenged themselves a little bit. I know North Carolina, who they beat in the opener, hasn't played very well since. I believe is winless um, going into this week. But BYU the following week, they won that game. BYU has since beaten Wisconsin, who was, I believe, a top eight, top nine team at the time. Um, and then they beat Idaho State. The, the week before their bye week, and the fact that they're coming off a bye week with a, a really, you know, a really highly regarded staff leads me to believe this is going to be a, a Cal team that is going to be very well prepared in this game. I think you're going to see uh, Cal do a lot of things that that will challenge Oregon, and, and I'll be curious to see how Oregon responds. And I think obviously the elephant in the room for Oregon is how do they respond from last week? Obviously Cal didn't play a game, but Oregon is almost at a detriment because not only did they play a game, but they played the best team they might play all season. They lost a game they should have won, and it was extremely heartbreaking. Um, And and we've talked to players throughout the week, and I think the consensus feels like, at least, that they've kind of done a good job of, I think Cristobal used the term, shaking it off throughout the week. And and you've heard that, you know, from a number of guys. I think Dylan Mitchell said that uh, he and his teammates feel like caged animals ready to break loose against the Bears. And I think you you talked to Lamar Winston today that the guys were – hitting so much that he was kind of like, can we just stop hitting so hard? Cause we're, you know, it, 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 it's <laughs> right. It's been really a physical week. So I think you've, you've heard all the right things come out of Oregon um, from the practices we've, you know, from the interviews we've had. Um, now it's just a matter of seeing if that actually shows up on Saturday. On the yeah. Field. And that mantra and that, that, that mentality started uh, right after the game was over against Stanford. 
uh, from Oregon's head coach, Mario Cristobal. Overall, our guys understand that immediately. Must be focused on playing a, a really good opponent, conference game on the road. Um, going on the road for the first time this year, uh, 7.30 game. Um, we really brought the attention to this in the offseason, the importance of playing well on the road for it. it was something that in conference we did not do a good job of that last year. So that's been a big part of our offseason as well. And um, and our guys understand that improvement is, is great, but cutting it close is, is not going to cut it. We've got to go the full way, got to go uh, – Got to go 100% in terms of our preparation and make sure that our motivation comes through our preparation as well. Yeah, this this team is, I, I think it's it's safe to say that this, this team is focused and it comes from the man at top at Mario Cristobal. And, you know, we spoke with offensive guys on Tuesday. We spoke with defensive guys on Wednesday. Everyone, for the most part, has flushed that Stanford loss. Well, I think the fan base is still recovering from that, even Wednesday into Thursday, yeah. still trying to get over that loss that you know, Oregon had, and um, I, I I think that was a game that deep down could go different two different ways for Oregon. One, uh, and this is the way I think it's 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 trending towards is that or it, it's trending that this this is going to be a game that's going to show this program. Look, this is how good you guys could be. Mm-hmm. Stanford was. And you need to play 100%, 100% of the game to achieve that. If you don't, it's going to cost you. And they lost, you know, they lost, and they, and they learned a very hard lesson uh, that comes with that. Of I think Mario Cristobal said earlier earlier this week that the team played about as well as they wanted to for about 90% of the game. Yeah, and, and he he did say that, and he said 10% was just us making a lot of errors that unfortunately led to changes in momentum and then ultimately their demise. And he he did say that the key with a game like this is you have to learn from it because otherwise it's all for naught. You don't take anything away from it. So it's it's this been the staff and this group of players' job to kind of make sure they're taking something away from it. And, and like we've kind of said previously, I, I think you get the sense, and, and of course we've heard everyone say everything right in the past and right. that it hasn't played out on Saturday. I think this year feels but different, though. I, I would agree, and, and I, I think you, but you get a sense just hearing from everything. It seems like the message has been kind of levied from above and everyone has received it and it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like on Saturday because, again, this this outcome I don't think is entirely dependent upon how Oregon plays. I think Cal is going to do some stuff that's going to challenge them. And, again, they're going to have to deal with some adversity because I think this Cal defense, we talked about this, I think, off-air, I, it might be the best defense Oregon faces all season. It, might, it certainly, I think, will be the most difficult defense they've faced to date. I know Stanford led the conference and I think the country in points allowed, but that was in part due to their style of play offensively because they take so many plays and also because of the level of competition. Not that, you know, not that UC Davis and San Diego State are, are, are chumps and not that USC is a chump, but just the way that Stanford plays, this Cal defense is for real and they're really good at all three levels. They, I think, are top tops nationally in first forcing interceptions. They are one of the best teams against the run. Um, they've just done a lot of really impressive things. And Cristobal said one of the things they do well is mixing up kind of their blitzes and stuff on third down. This is going to be a team that's going to come in prepared. I think Oregon has the talent advantage at pretty much every spot. Yeah. It'd be hard to find a couple places that they don't. But, again, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And I think Oregon is, is going to have to be ready to battle. It's not going to just be about them having the right focus and mentality. It's going to be coming in with the, the ability to realize that this isn't going to be an easy game. I think Cal is going to provide some challenges, and, and we'll see. Um, kind of what they're made of. I think this is a huge week for them, especially because after this they have a bye week, 
and then they play Washington, who, again, could be one of the top two or three teams they play all season. Yeah, you, you look at this Cal team. When Justin, the year before Justin Wilcox assumed head coaching duties in 2017, so the 2016 season, uh, Cal's defense allowed 42.6 points per game. Wow. That, I mean, that, that is probably terrible. About what, probably about what Oregon was averaging that year, too. Yeah, that, I mean, that is absolutely terrible. Um, Oregon, or Cal's defense now allows 19.3 points per game. Two years later, that number has dropped from 42 and a half, essentially, to 19 points. Now, obviously, it's look, they've played three games, and one of those games was against, uh, I think, Idaho State or, right. or, or that, that matter. It was Idaho State. Yeah, Idaho State, and they won 45 to 23. But they played North Carolina, and you can say what you want about the Tar Heels and their struggles. I think they're one and three this season. Um, but that's a that's a Power Five team, and I don't care who you play when you're you know sure when it's a in Alabama when it's a USC when it's a a UW you know an Oregon this year. Those teams should dominate those games. A Cal team that, you know, they they weren't in a bowl game, I think, last year. Um, or if, if they were, they were 7-6. I, I, I think they went like, no, I think I don't think they did make a bowl last year. Yeah, I think they won five games. You know, they were, they were you know, borderline 500. Yeah, I think they were 5-7 and seven last year. You know, a, a team that historically ha- doesn't win a lot of games, you go in and you play another Power 5 team and you win 24-17, to 17, that's a good win. I don't care what the quality of opponent was. They went on the road at BYU, one twenty-one eighteen, and at first I was like, "Oh, that BYU game's okay. It's it's decent." Um, but then BYU went and upset Wisconsin single-handedly uh, the next the following week. So you know they've played some solid teams, and obviously it's three games in, but defensively their numbers are way improved uh, from week one or from 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 year zero to year one of, of Wilcox, now year two of Wilcox. And, you know, this defense is second in the country in interceptions. Um, Jalen Hawkins ranks tied for second in the nation individually with three. Four of their seven interceptions this season have come on third down pass plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mario Cristobal said that's a byproduct of, you know, them presenting different looks and exotic looks and you know, tricking things, tricking offenses into thinking of stuff that they're going to do. This is a, an improved Cal team. Now, that being said... I think going in, I'm on the idea that this Oregon team should win by two scores. That they're a slight favorite. I think they're four four point favorite right now, three and a half. Um, it's a it's a road game, but I think if Oregon plays the style of football that they, that we think they could play, that they played ninety percent of the time against Stanford, they should beat Cal and they should be able to beat anybody in in this conference. Well, that that was one of my takeaways on Saturday, and I think I wrote about it on the site. Was just that I think you come away. And if Oregon is able to bottle what they did for 90% of that game or whatever the percentage is where they were playing really, really well, there's not a team in this conference that can play at a higher level. I really don't think. And it's a matter of are they able to get back to that point? And I think, again, we've said it already on this podcast, the talk has been that that's their goal and that they're focused on it. Now it's a matter of what they actually do. Because we've also seen Oregon play at a much lower level. I think I think how Oregon played against Stanford surprised some people because they had, the week before against San Jose State, who's obviously a much weaker opponent than Stanford, Oregon didn't very look good, didn't look very good at all. I mean, they had some really low points there. They won by 13 points, um, but but it was it was a very ugly game. The offense was really up and down. And then a week later, you see them play at such a high level, and a lot of this is going to come down to just executing and and kind of 
being focused because you know what you have on Justin Herbert. You're starting yeah. to see that the receivers are actually capable. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, Dylan Mitchell had a huge game. Dylan Mitchell had, I mean, almost broke school records. You know, and he was tremendous in that game. And and you saw in regulation, no one really dropped passes. I think Herbert had two incompletions, and one of them was a was a throwaway pass. And I think the other one might have been just sailed on him or something. I can't even locate which one that was, but he was so spot on, and his receivers made some tough catches. You started to see the running back situation kind of have some clarity. I think C.J. Verdell yep. might start this week. We'll get to injuries in a little bit, but there's some question marks about some of the other guys. And, and Verdell played really well up until that fumble, which unfortunately kind of did Oregon in. But you saw some stuff there. And, and then defensively, that front seven was tremendous against Stanford. And you know, if they're able to replicate that this week, then Cal, which it's worth mentioning, their, their leading rusher, Patrick Laird, I think is lowest among or worst among starting running backs in the Pac-12 with yards per carry. I think he only averages 2.9 yards per carry this season, which is not very good. There's a chance Oregon is able to really shut down the Stanford, or this California offense. And again, if we see what they did against Stanford come together this week against Cal, I think that there's no question Oregon can win handily, but it's a matter of will, will they be able to do that. It's also a matter of what has Cal devised over the course of a bye week. Yeah, Jim, Jim Levitt, Oregon's defensive coordinator, is fully bought in on this depth of this defensive line, which – ranks fourth in yards allowed per game and rushing yards at 75.5 yards per game. Uh, the average per carry is even better. It's third in the country at 2.13. They've allowed just uh, two offensive rushing touchdowns this season. And uh, Jim Levitt spoke this week about Oregon's uh, defensive line and the depth that they suddenly have, seem to have a ton of. Well, you know, stopping love, was, we knew it was going to be a challenge. They got the one power on us that went to the pylon. I think that was about a 20-yard gain. We just didn't fit it up uh, real good right there. Other than that, I thought I thought they did a good job because that running back's going to get I mean, he's really good. You all know that. And uh, that was a big challenge for us. And uh, I, thought, I thought the guys did a good job with the challenge. I think that was a big test for Oregon against Stanford in that just really see how good they, they could be. They passed, and now I think it might be, like you said, Stanford, Cal doesn't run the ball very well. No. And if, if Oregon can put Cal defensively, or you know, if, Oregon, if Oregon's defense can put Cal's offense in some second and 11s, second and 12s, third and 9s type situations, you know, this game could get out of hand. Because I think Cal's got some quarterbacks, but I don't think they've got a guy there that's pulling the trigger that can go throw for throw. With Justin Herbert. Well, it's worth mentioning that Chase Garbers has taken over for Ross Bowers, who started, I think, last year for sure, and I yes. think some the year before. And, and Garbers, I believe, is last in the Pac-12 in yards per completion. So, again, this is this is an offense that is not particularly dynamic moving the ball. It's, again, it, it's a totally different identity. If you haven't watched Cal play, they play much different than they have, certainly under, under Sonny Dykes a couple of years ago. Um, we should Let's talk about injuries a little bit here because we've got some clarity yep. today. We've been obviously at practice the last two days. We'd, we'd seen some stuff that led us to believe – certain things, but Mario Cristobal, I think, was pretty upfront um, in saying that Austin Fallu and Tony Brooks-James, neither of which practice on Wednesday, Fallu hasn't even dressed this week in the practices we've seen, but he seems to think both guys are 50-50, which makes yeah. them questionable to play this week, which is actually probably an encouraging sign for Fallu because I would have said he was probably like 80% that he wasn't going to play. And then Jacob Vreeland, who didn't practice very much on Tuesday, was in a boot for a portion of practice, took it off at another part. Wednesday, when we started watching, it didn't look like he was taking part. But Cristobal said, following that part, that he he did take he was taking part and was you know kind of uh, you know able to get some stuff going. And so it sounds like there's a better chance he plays than I think we had expected. It'll be interesting to see though if if Falu and Brooks James don't play, kind of what the fit is because both of those are starters. 
obviously with Brooks James, you expect Verdell to fill in. But what happens if Falu doesn't play? And we spoke to a number of guys this, you know, on Wednesday about kind of that opportunity, you know, between Gary Baker and Drayton Carberg, and they both sound ready for it. They both also didn't discount the fact that Falu could play. Neither were like, oh yeah, he's not playing. We're ready to go. Um, but but I think Oregon is so much more deep at that spot than we expected. I think yeah. we came into the season thinking they had three guys. They had three guys, and now you feel like they have five, six, seven guys, and, and that are able to play. Sione Kaba is another guy. Um, that we've been told we should be ready to watch. He might come in and play a role. I don't think he's played hardly at all this season. Um, but this line is 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 vastly improved, both from a talent perspective, but also from a depth perspective. So I think that's a lot of credit to Joe Salavea and kind of getting the most out of those guys because there's been a couple of years here where that's been a real weak point of this defense. Yeah, this this group is a lot better than I was anticipating. Even the three starters. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I was pretty high on Jordan Scott. He was a, a true freshman All-American last season by 24-7 Sports. Um, but even then, his growth from year one to year two has been tremendous. I mean, he was straight-up dominant mm-hmm. against a front line at Stanford that could not block him. I mean, they got called for penalties of holding. Um, he I don't know how many times he blew up the line uh, and – rerouted Bryce Love somewhere else to you know towards Oregon's defenders. Um this defensive line's impressive. And it's it's gotten to the point where, you know, we were in beginning of the year saying, wow, if they got an injury, don't know if they're gonna be able to withstand it. Now obviously Cal is not the best running team and we will see what happens if these injuries carry over into UW, because UW's got a good run game. Right. Um but that's another thing. But from a one-game standoff, Oregon's got the ability now. I think you see very little drop-off from from you know Stanford to Cal in terms of run defense. Right, and and Falio, it's worth mentioning the play after he came off. I think was a third and short, and Carberg who replaced him came in and blew that next play up. Yep. I mean, so they've got guys here, and and uh, to me, and, and this has been the case, and obviously you saw this last week. Oregon was. I think front seven played about as well as yes. you could against Stanford. 100%. I think they held them to about 70 yards total rushing, which you include the sacks. But it's that secondary, and it's a matter of can those guys make the plays, and you know those guys are going to be on islands because they do play a lot of man-to-man. It, can those guys make the plays? And again, this Cal, I think this Cal receiving core and this quarterback situation is, no, is not as strong as Stanford, so they're not going to be challenged. I think if Oregon loses this game, it's going to be a game that's like, 21 to 16 100% I agree with you if, but if Oregon if Oregon gets to 35 points I don't think Cal is going to be able to match that unless they're like defensive or special teams touchdowns because I, I don't think this Cal offense really is is going to be able to maintain what Oregon has with Justin Herbert Dylan Mitchell CJ Verdell and some of these other players yeah and, and we should talk about Herbert against Cal he's had uh, two really good performances against the Bears obviously last season uh, his his game got cut short in one quarter, but he was seven of eight for like ninety yards and a touchdown, uh, one carry for seven yards and a touchdown, which he ended up getting hurt on. Um, and then he also had his first career road start, which came against California. He he kind of talked about uh, that experience and then kind of that that was kind of his first real big breakout performance as a duck. Yeah, it was it was a tough game, but uh, I thought I thought we played pretty well and. And the offense kind of picked it up late in the game and, and unfortunately came up short, but it was a great learning experience and, and uh, something I still remember and, and, and still have uh, 
learn from? Oh yeah, I think uh, I think just just learn as much from that um, experience. I passed up a touchdown and and uh, threw a pick on that play, and and uh, Coach Yost and I talked about that, and and uh, that's something that I focused on in my game today, and and uh, just trying to pick up as much as I can from that experience was was huge. And he's he's talking about his performance as a true freshman in 2016 when Mark Helfrich was the head coach. Uh, he was 22 of 40 for 258 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, and one interception, which ended the game in triple overtime. The Ducks lost 52-49, and it was it was a game where I believe Oregon at one point uh, was down, I want to say like 21 to zero, or in in the first quarter, third quarter. Yeah, it was early second quarter uh, with about 11 minutes to go still in the second half or first half. Oregon was trailing 21 to seven, and or 21 nothing. Um, cap. Cal dominated that half. They they went into halftime leading 31-14. But I think this is a team that Cal has not been able to figure out Justin Herbert. And he looked really, really good against Stanford. I'm going to expect something similar. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to throw 27 of 29 passes for 300 yards, but... You know, he's. I think he's going to have another big day against this Cal defense. Well, and it's it's a situation though where I don't even know how much a defense can do because I thought Stanford a lot of the time played pretty good yeah, coverage. Yeah, he just got it in there, and he just fitted into tight windows. And, and again, credit to his receivers for making some really tough catches. Mitchell uh, made some really tough tough catches, especially you think about that one down the sideline that looked like it might have sealed it late in the late in regulation. But yeah, I think I think it's going to be hard for anyone if Justin Herbert is dialed in and his receivers are dialed in and the and the offensive line is able to give him a pocket. It, it's it's pretty much lights out. You know, if you if you give Justin Herbert five to eight seconds to dissect what's going on defensively, unless the coverage is perfect, he's going to find somebody for fifteen to twenty yards. And and I think you're going to see that throughout the season. You certainly saw that last week. And now it's just a matter of of continuing that sort of focus and mentality because. We saw against San Jose State what it looks like when things aren't working well. Yes, he had struggles, even though the you know I think it started because the receivers were shaky to begin, but he had struggles. So it's a matter of being able to continue that. We all know now what the what the level he can get to is. It's about can they continue to play at that level? And again, it comes down to consistency, which has been kind of the story all season. That we saw it against Bowling Green, we saw it against San Jose State, and we certainly saw it last week where if they play where at the level they can for an entire game for a hundred percent of the plays. They're going to blow out some really good teams. And that game against Stanford, there are a few plays from that being a 28-point victory. And instead, it ends up being a loss just because they make some silly mistakes. Some things kind of don't go their way. Um, and I feel like the same thing against Cal. I think they could beat. I think they could win this game by four to five touchdowns if they focus and they play at their highest level. I also think we could see them lose this game similar to Stanford where they get up early and let go. Exactly. And they're clearly, I think they're clearly just looking at it, the more talented team. And probably will be in almost every game this season. That Washington game will be debatable, um, but it's just a matter of can they play consistently for all I, for the entirety of the game. I think this game is going to be one that defines the season for Oregon. Um, they go in and they lose this one. Every other game is going to be up and down. I'm I'm going to be second guessing myself if they can win. Should they win? Um, if they win, and I think if they win this one convincingly, you know, I I think even a a performance uh, where they win 31-28 and it's a you know it's an ugly slugfest back and forth all game i'm not going to feel pretty confident coming out of that one cuz like you said i think Oregon's got the better talent you know guy for guy starter for starter on both sides of the football you know they have two first round picks one on offense one on defense they have you look at herbert in the in the mock drafts after week 4 of the college football season 
everyone's jumping on that board on that train that he's the number one quarterback potential number one overall pick i mean everybody's got him now basically as the top qb picked and now it's kind of just when does who picks where and do they need a quarterback um i think you know this if, if oregon goes in and they dominate this game i i feel just like i was going into stanford that they are going to be one of the best teams in the league that they will have a chance to beat everybody that they play on their schedule uh and if they don't if they don't win this game and if they don't win this game convincingly you know i'm gonna have some questions i'm gonna be wondering what's the psyche of this team here we go here's the last two seasons again up and down and consistent my, my devil's advocate for that would be that we the consistency problem has been the problem all season yes they played really well at times against stanford they can obviously get up for certain teams my question is that this next three games are all, i think all very challenging games they play at cal they host washington and then they go to at Washington State. And Washington State has, has kind of quietly been really good. They almost upset USC at home last week. But after that, the schedule opens up, and you go Arizona, UCLA, Utah, Arizona State, Oregon State. Those are all t- games where I think they're significantly better, and I think they'll probably be favored in all those games, obviously depending upon how the next three games go. But I think, you know, it, let's say they run through these next three games. I still wonder about are they able to kind of put it together mentally each week because we've seen consistency issues throughout the season does a game at Arizona where Arizona hasn't looked very good suddenly become a really competitive game because they're not quite focused? Or does a game when they're hosting UCLA, the same type of thing happens? So I still think there's going to be some concerns about kind of the focus and consistency of this team throughout the season. But I do think if you see them go out and win the next two games, especially that Washington game significantly, which I do think is on the table, um, then you're going to start feeling like this team is just really good, and maybe yeah. maybe this team is capable of doing you know a lot this year. Yeah, this schedule, like you said, sets it up for this team to make a big run late in the season. Uh, seeing how some of the te- other teams in the league have totally. played out um, through the first four weeks of the college football season. Uh, let's discuss running backs real quick before we kind of get to uh, our spread picks for the rest of the conference. C.J. Verdell looked like the team's best back Agreed. against Stanford. Agreed. Tony Brooks-James is a senior. He's put in his time. He scored a touchdown against Stanford. Looked, looked solid in the first half before he got injured with an, with an ankle injury at uh, some point in the first half or second, you know, early in the second half. Should Oregon continue to operate like they are, where Tony Brooks-James is the starter and they kind of just rotate between him and TVJ, or uh, him and Verdell? Or is it time, has, has Verdell shown the last three weeks that he probably should be getting a bulk of the carries? I think he, and he did get the bulk of the carries. I think he'll get the bulk of the carries on Saturday, to be honest. Um, I do still think it's worth it to, because they have talent and they have a variety of different guys who can do some things. And I still think it's worth it to rotate to a to situationally, which is ironically what the depth chart has said all season. But I, <laughs> I, I think there are spots where you go, Maybe Tony Brooks James makes sense with this kind of what we're going to be doing on this drive or even on this play, and maybe Travis Dye makes more sense here. Certainly, I think we're going to continue to see Cyrus Abibi Lakio coming in goal line situations. He has, five, I think, he has five touchdowns and four yards, four yards gained, total. which is kind of comical. Um, lost eight yards on that um, fumble with Herbert on the exchange there. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to see them continue to rotate. But I think what we've seen from Verdell, unless there is something psychological where he fumbled and he just can't get past that and there's like some sort of psychological thing I think he's shown and I think we kind of considered that to be the case especially in the spring and in the fall Brooks James looked like he kind of secured the job but 
I think Verdell has a talent to be the primary back and to be a guy that carries it 20 times, like we saw on Saturday. I think he had 20 carries for 115 yards. I think that's certainly within the realm of possibilities with him, and I think that's kind of what you're going to start seeing throughout this season. I think Verdell provides um, more punch, mm-hmm. more power. Yes. We saw that with a couple. I mean, he delivered some big hits uh, to Stanford defensive backs and linebackers that were trying to get him down in that game, and uh, he showed off the big run for the touchdown run, which was about 40 yards. And I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna see a lot of healthy dose of, of Tony Brooks James. But I think as the season wears on. I think the workload for C.J. Verdell will continue to increase, uh, and especially this week. If, if Tony can't go, we're going to see a lot of Verdell, and, and Oregon might not have a choice. Uh, it's either him or, or Travis Dye, really. We haven't seen Felix play. Uh, I don't think he played last week. He was hurt. Um, probably, I don't think he was suited up either. Um, no, so, he wasn't. And he's been you know, on the sideline with the injured group a little bit this week as well. So a group that had a lot of bodies all of a sudden with Todd Griffin's transfer – um, is down to really three healthy running backs, and they happen to all be freshmen, redshirt or or true. Yeah, they had. What's well, funny? They had six guys to start camp that were healthy. They had, I think, seven guys back in the spring with before Jamal Elliott left. It looked like, gosh, they have so much depth. And now, you football know, injuries. Four weeks into the season, a guy, a couple guys have transferred. There's some injuries. You're down to three healthy guys, and you're a, potentially a couple plays here from a guy like Cyrus Habibi Lakio maybe being the primary back and. We've seen him look really good in goal line situations. I think he's capable of a bigger role, but it's kind of honestly an unknown because he has had the ball the, the fewest of some of these running backs. All right, let's look at some of these picks real quick uh, before we wrap this show up. Uh, UCLA goes on the road to Colorado. Bruins are uh, not opened as an 11-point favorite for, for Colorado. It's, the line now is down to 9.5. I'm still taking Colorado 9.5. I would take Colorado 11 points. I am so confused in this Pac-12 South right now. I think Colorado's the best team, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if UCLA wins this game just because it seems like there's none of it makes sense in the South. I, I have, I have, I have the, it's probably the hardest time I've had in a while in terms of grasping kind of what the hierarchy should be. I, I will also take Colorado and the points there, um, but UCLA has looked so bad. I've got a sense that at some point here, they're going to pull through, or maybe I'm just completely wrong, and they're going to go like 1-11, and 11, and Chip Kelly is going to be on the hot seat going into the next season. Uh, looking across at Utah and Washington State, Washington State is the home team. Utah comes in as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That, wow. That's a big line shift because the Cougars opened, opened. as a two-point favorite. So doesn't sound like the public is on the Cougars. I'm taking Washington State. 100%. Yeah, me too, because I think Washington State – looks like the better team against USC last week. Utah hasn't shown me a ton this season. Um, that's interesting because yeah, I, I think if the line would have been two points Washington State, I would have still taken the Cougars probably. But the fact that Utah is now favored is is interesting and I a little bit surprising. Um, I think Utah has had some moments where you've been like, okay, they, they're, they're pretty good, but their offense has is kind of similar to Cal where their offense isn't particularly exciting. And defensively, they're really good. So it's possible that they just overwhelm Washington State. But Washington State has been, to me, maybe the surprise in the conference. I kind of came in thinking, what's their quarterback situation going to be? Uh, they lost a couple really good defensive players. But they kind of are just steady Eddie um, in the north. And despite all of this kind of turnover, remain one of, the I think, the teams that could actually maybe contend for a conference championship. I don't think they will. But they certainly don't feel far off of the big three with, with uh, Oregon, Stanford, 
in Washington. Oregon State goes on the road to Arizona State. Sun Devil is opened as a 21-point favorite. The lines just basically stayed there, 21 and a half. 21 and a half points is a lot. Um, I, I think ASU, we still don't know exactly what they are. I'm taking Oregon State, but with very little confidence. Last week didn't show me much um, from Oregon State, and I think Arizona State's even more dynamic offensively. I don't have a ton of confidence in, in Arizona State, but I, I actually think Arizona State's going to cover. I think they're going to win pretty handily. BYU goes on the road and heads up to Seattle to play the Washington Huskies, a non-conference game for UW. Uh, 17.5 point favorite for UW. Opened at 16.5, so the line's increased one. I'm taking BYU. I don't think UW is going to lose. I don't think they're going to be ever in a position where they could lose. But I just, I think this UW team is not going to put away blowout team. A lot of these teams this season. I was going to say my feeling from watching them play Utah and then a little bit caught a little bit of the Arizona State game. I don't get the sense Washington's a team that's going to just completely put the foot down on somebody and beat them by three touchdowns. I think they're going to be a team that's just going to kind of grind, almost kind of Stanford like. They're going to kind of grind out a win. I think. They win this game maybe by 10 points, but it's it's pretty clear from the start who the better team is. But I don't feel like this is a Washington team that's really going to build leads that are that are going to be uns- insurmountable, I guess. USC goes on the road to Tucson, takes on the Arizona Wildcats. USC opened as a two-point favorite, moved up now to two and a half, uh, three and a half. I'm taking three and a half points in the Trojans. I think JT Daniels turned a corner against Washington State on, on Friday last week. Uh, the defense has improved a little bit, even though – Arizona played their best ball against Oregon State last weekend on the road. I'm taking the Trojans. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'll go with I'll go with USC as well. I, I I mean I think Arizona is again. I think a lot of like a lot of teams in the South are just mysteries to me right now. I thought Arizona was gonna. I thought Oregon State was gonna win that game, and it wasn't even really that competitive in the second half. So I will go USC, but kind of reluctantly. I think Arizona might have figured some things out as well. Stanford, a top ten team. Notre Dame, I believe, I believe a top ten team as well. Go on, they meet again for their annual rivalry game. Played in uh, uh, South Bend, Indiana. Uh, touchdown, Jesus. Stanford opened as a three and a half point underdog. The line has increased to five and a half. I'm taking Notre Dame. I don't trust Stanford. Seeing as you know, Oregon basically coughed the game away. Um, they should have won that one by two touchdowns. I think Notre Dame is not as good as Oregon. I'm taking uh, Notre Dame in this one. I, I don't think they make the mistakes that Oregon did. Yeah, I, I kind of I'm a, I'm with you, and it feels this is again another game where the Pac-12 really probably needs it in terms of trying to get into the playoff race because Stanford is probably the top team right now for kind of that designation, and losing to Notre Dame on the road would hurt that. But my sense is Stanford is is not quite just watching them last week not quite what we expected they would be it's not to diminish how well Oregon played but I think Stanford's probably more in the 15 to 25 range in terms of how good they are and not a top 10 team and then lastly uh we'll make our our official picks later in the week um depending on when you listen to this but Oregon goes to California opened as a three and a half point favorite for the Ducks uh, they're now a two and a half point favorite I think they cover and I think they they cover safely and easily in this one yeah, I'm with you. And again, we'll do more explanation later, but we kind of talked about it on the podcast. I think this has the makings of a game where it goes one of two ways. Oregon plays really poorly and loses, or Oregon responds like we they've been talking about, and they win by like three or four touchdowns, and I kind of think it's going to be the latter. That's going to do it for us uh, on the Duck Territory podcast. Please go to duckterritory.com uh, for more coverage um, on this game. We've got a ton of stuff up. 
if you're going to the game on Friday, we are in San Francisco. We are going to the rec room. Uh, it's a bar owned by Duck fans. That's a Duck bar in the area. We're going to be, Eric and I will be there from 7 to 9 o'clock the night before the Cal game. It's located at 1390 California Street in San Francisco, California. Uh, meet and greet with Duck fans. We're going to talk football. We'll give away some, some, some subscriptions. If you subscribe, go ahead and you know, just find us and show us that you uh, are a subscriber on your phone, and we'll, we'll, we'll take your information down, and we'll go in and, and copy a month or two. And uh, I think it's going to be a good time. We're getting a good reception of how many people are coming. We're expecting a solid crowd, uh, You know, kind of first one we've ever done. No idea really how big it is, but uh, so far we've had a good response of who's coming and uh, we hope to see you there if you're going to be at the game. And then, as always, Eric and I will be at the football game, uh, providing some pregame, in-game, and post-game coverage. So go to DuckTerritory.com for more on this Cal showdown. Uh, and until we talk to you after Cal with our next podcast, thanks for listening, guys.